Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 48, the dishonoring of God and popular spiritual warfare teachings. If you're following along in the article, which you can find at the website, CICministry.org, we're on the last page under the heading Nero Theology. Now, that's a pretty clever heading. Why don't you explain um, how you came up with that heading? And let's talk a little bit about Nero and then we will discuss how this is actually still in the church today. Well, the reason I, I thought of that I was in seminary at the time, plus being I was a pastor and in seminary, and I was studying church history because I love to study history and church history because it helps me understand how the human race misses God unless we know what God actually said. Okay. And so I had I loved reading the early church fathers, and it turns out that air uh, didn't take long to develop, but it was always there. Yes. Okay. But Nero, who was uh, in power, actually, while the Apostle Paul was alive and writing, okay. there, he uh, persecuted the church. So let me read this from my article. Nero is famous for blaming the church for the burning of Rome. Yes. The Roman pagans frequently persecuted Christians, claiming they were responsible for the ills of their cities. Okay. And so, originally, by the way, and we're learning that as we're studying Acts, Rome didn't really distinguish between Jews and Christians. Right. They were all monotheists, which they actually called atheists, because if you did not believe in, in the Roman pantheon of gods... You were an atheist. It was kind of all or nothing for them. That confuses people because why would you call people who believe in God atheists? Well, because they didn't believe in the deities that Rome worshipped. They must be atheists. Therefore, the gods are angry at the Jews and the Christians. Right. Well, Tertullian was a early church father. And by the way, by citing different people, one of the anti-scholastic things that's common we need to get rid of is the idea beside anybody positively you agree with everything they ever said right That's sometimes we're just citing it as a source and sometimes pagan people have something right right and sometimes tertullian was a church father but he had some theology we wouldn't agree with but right. we can learn okay, okay. Mm-hmm. so tertullian second century church father i say in my article Comments on this, and so I cite him. This is very famous. If the Tiber rises as high as the city walls, if the Nile does not send its waters up over the fields, if the heavens give no rain, if there is an earthquake, if there is a famine or pestilence, straightway the cry is, away with the Christians to the lions. Then ironically, he says, what? Do you give such multitudes to a single beast? (laughs) Interesting, uh, ironic turnaround. But here's the deal. 
we've been looking at the claims of many dominionists, word of faith, people that claim that we should take control over the heavenly realm. We should take control over the nations. We should speak things into existence and so on. And by after making those claims, when things go awry, what's going to happen? Right. They blame we'll the blamed. Christians. Yeah, we yeah, get the, the blame. To the lion. We, well, there's a flood. It must be because the Christians didn't do their job. And this is the Christians blaming the Christians. It's one thing for the pagan rulers to blame the Christians. It's quite another when we do it to ourselves. But it happens. Yes. And this is something that I know that people that love Christ are easily deceived by such things. I was at one time and I got out of that. And the thing that we need is stability. And we get stability by believing the promises of God as correctly understood as stated in scripture. Okay. And by following parochial considerations that this narrow group here, they got their theology from E.W. Kenyon, they're the ones who speak for God. Or this group who gets their theology from the Dominionists and the people who believe that there are new apostles and prophets, like Bill Hammond and other people we've cited. Well, then we can only believe that group. But sometimes the Dominionists get together. Okay. Talk about that Earl Polk, Reconstructionists, uh, NAR, they get together. And if we all get in unity, then we can really turn one nation, America, into the kingdom of God and have the millennium come here. All but right. then when things go bad, Christians blame other Christians for why things are bad. Right. And, and it's it not uncommon. And I'm not really wanting to mock people who want to learn. Mm-hmm. But many people say, I've heard that we get the rulers we deserve. And I immediately say, no, we get the rulers that God appointed. So here's one that we see a lot on social media right now. And that's when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. How would you respond to that? God gives us rulers according to his sovereign purpose, which is to bring the gospel to all peoples and to save people. And the end comes when God determines not based on who's the ruler. That's right. And by the way, this is probably shocking, and it's very hard to practice, but it's true. When Nero was about as wicked as anybody, that's when Paul said that we should pray for our rulers. Yes. Yes. So God didn't say, well, just pray for the, the good ones you like and then curse the ones you hate. Well, and all throughout history, including in in Paul's time, persecution has resulted in the spread of the gospel as people flee it. And we can see that even in modern times. We can see that in Reformation times, persecution caused the spread of the gospel as, you know, it's easy to get comfortable where we are. And if when people flee persecution, it actually causes the spread of the gospel. So that's whether or not God's judging a nation, we might, we can't know, 
But what we can know is we need to preach the gospel. And if God is sovereignly moving us from one place to another, then we'll take the gospel with us. Right. And I don't believe that monasticism is biblical. No. Get a little Christian enclave somewhere, try to be more pious than everybody else, and let illiteracy go all over the world because then they can't even read the Bible. Right. There's a lot of really bad things that happen. And evangelism isn't helped by people seeing Christians as persecutors. Right. Unbelievers don't distinguish between Christians who believe the Bible is the inerrant and inspired word of God and that we need to pray and preach the gospel from ones who say Christians should rule. And if we ruled, then it would all be good. Right. We can't know these things. Another thing that's really important, we need to be sober-minded about what we know and what we don't know. Okay. And I really tried to discipline myself, and I'm not always successful, but I don't want to predict the future if it's something I don't know. Okay. We all do that all the time. Well, people do that, and some people get paid to do it. If you're a pundit on TV predicting who might win or how the election's going to go or what will happen if this happens, well, we can speculate, but don't make that. that don't say, well, that's what's going to happen. I know that. No, only God knows the future. And what we know about the future is what's revealed in Scripture. Yes. So and I want to give a teaching that's from the Bible. It can be questioned, but if it's biblical, it's true. Not because I said it, because that's from the scripture. Okay. Now, these teachings that we're refuting here create instability and fear. They do. And they don't actually keep anybody from getting sick. They don't actually keep tragedies and suffering from happening on the earth. But they produce a whole lot of guilt. Exactly. And so let me read something that Ed Silvoso wrote in that regard. Ah, I was just going to mention that. I was just going to mention that quote. Okay, I'll, I'll read this. <laughs> All right. And I, by the way, I wrote this in 1998, so I had to reread it. Because that we've been on so many other topics since then. Yeah. Ed Silvoso asserts, quote, The state of the city is always the result of the church's condition, unquote. Wow. You know, we mentioned the city of Minneapolis a few episodes ago. If that were true, the church in Minneapolis, any church in Minneapolis has a whole lot of explaining to do. Well, I was a pastor there, uh, their pastor and teacher, various roles for 25 years. And it was a difficult situation. Yeah. But our role is to preach the gospel. Yep. And some people, unexpected people, we don't know who God's going to save. Mm-hmm. Lots of different kind of people. But what we're fleeing from is the wrath to come. Right. And God sovereignly distributes gospel preachers on the scene of history as he sees them. Yes. It's not to sin, excuse me, it's not a sin to live in one nation rather than another. 
God sovereignly gets us to the right place at the right time. I absolutely know that. Yes. I've seen it my whole life. Yep. And so Savosa says, the state of the city is the result of the church's condition. So now we have Nero blamed the Christians. Yeah. And people after that blamed the Christians. Pagans did. Now we have Christians blaming the Christians. Right. So um, very sadly, as we speak, and this will be a few weeks before you probably hear it, there's been a horrible, horrible flood, worse than we've seen in, in um, New Orleans and that whole area, Louisiana, and I made it all the way to New York. Yes. People got trapped. Mm-hmm. And this is not, excuse me, it's not helpful to blame the church. No, it's not. It's not right. And we need to be compassionate. We need to pray. We need to preach the gospel. And we were talking before we started recording, and I think this is important to mention. Okay. As we teach on the sovereignty of God, we need to also remember the doctrine of common grace, which is a theological way of describing the fact that God allows and gives rain helpful rain, not necessarily a flood, for everyone. Yes. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yep. Mentioned by Jesus about the blood mingled with the sacrifices there. They weren't worse sinners. Right. Okay. There's a lot of different kind of sinners. Okay. But there's also common grace. Yes. And we heard after World War II, I grew up, uh, my parents my dad was a World War II veteran. My grandfather was a World War I veteran. Many people we know were veterans. And there are unbelievable stories of courage by many, many different people, whether they were evangelical Christians or not. Yes. And that still goes on. It still does. We mentioned in between episodes, Glenn Beck and his, and his the flights that he organized to airlift people out of Afghanistan. Glenn Beck is a Mormon, but he he still saw a humanitarian need and used his position and his authority and the resources he had at his disposal to do that. And another person who was involved in that was Ken Copeland, who we've talked about we've in this very series. Here, yeah. yeah, this this these episodes that we've been doing over the summer here, but it's still a good thing to use your plane to save the lives of people who are trying to flee Afghanistan. That's true. And, you know, common grace is still there. Yes. And it will cease when God finally brings the final judgment. But right. it's still true. And so we're not saying that people who feed the poor that aren't Christian, just as evil as they can be. That's not true. No. We, we need to know what God has ordained. And as Christians, we do help. We do care. We do pray. We do give shelter. But if we don't preach the gospel, they won't know what's even more essential, which is the forgiveness of sins. So both things can go together. Right. And I also want to cite another person because we're, uh, in this article, and that's John Dawson, who's actually contacted me after I wrote him. He's a very kind guy that's in the footnote. Okay. And 
perhaps some of these people uh, have a true gospel. Dawson seemed to when I con when he contacted me. But look at what he said, and I, this is a quote that's from his writing. We as believers hold the fate of our cities in our hands. Wow. Revival or judgment, what will it be? Wow, that is that is really heavy. That is a serious claim to make. Well, it is. And I noticed when I was reading this, I wrote post-millennial. At some point, the people that believe in post-millennialism need to step up the plate to show us from scripture why they're making that claim. Yes. Now, maybe... Uh, John Dawson doesn't believe in post-millennialism. But if the fate of the city is in the hands of Christians and the city burns, then is that proof that the Christians fail? No. And, and honestly, so I have a lot of friends that are in churches in the city of Minneapolis to go back to that, where it's been a rough year and a half for Minneapolis. But you know what the churches did? They were out there cleaning up after riots. They were out there with bottles of water, helping the volunteers. And they were out there with the gospel and with gospel tracks. And the gospel went forth in spite of great devastation. You know, well, we th these things happened and the church responded both in caring for the immediate needs of people there, but also bringing, using that situation to talk about the gospel. The Christians well, responded in, with yeah. the gospel. Well, we were in Minneapolis for the group I was with, and it was really bad. Yeah. I was um, in Minneapolis, right, right where the riots ultimately came by. We were uh, moved yeah. before that. There was actually a pretty good situation when we sold that building and moved. But we finally went out and barbecued and Preach the gospel and hand out tracts. Mm -hmm. 1995, I believe, in Minneapolis was the most murders they had one year. Wow. And right then, I was down there, and we had murders happen less than half a block away at least twice. Right. While but, I was there, one yeah. guy was murdered just delivering a pizza for the chains he had in his pocket. Yeah. Time, there was a overnight for the youth. And the sirens went off and they had to bring a body out from the apartment across the alley where someone was murdered. Right. Well, I remember one time we had an outreach with that group called Hands Across the City. Yes, I still have a hat from that. Yep, I still do. And, and it was I mean, a variety of churches with different theological backgrounds. And there was food and they hand, handed out, they did it in September and handed out school su supplies to the children who need it. And evangelists preached the gospel and we had music but am i remember remembering correctly that there was a murder that i think you saw just up the street oh, from yes. there that was a different was terrible uh, type of outreach i went to a, went to another one that was less evangelical than ours but i was helping yeah so i was learning how to run sound i was yeah. on my way at a stop sign and a guy came up to another guy the gun and shot him right in the chest as I was sitting there at the south side. Wow. Not very far from our church back then. Yeah. And the guy that shot him took off running and the guy dropped to the ground. And there was a lady out on the 
um, patio out there looking down and saw everything that happened. Yeah. And I, the light turned green. I came around back around. I saw where the guy ran. And then the police came and she was giving a testimony. I don't, I went on to the outreach and asked for prayer there. Yeah. Sadly, somebody from the church down there came by and said, well, I got some of the smoke pot I'll do over you so you don't feel so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, there's... see, bad theology doesn't help, but that was in the, the 90s. I remember, right? Late 90s on 2000 uh, probably early 2000s yeah, i remember 2000s. i was at the outreach but it might it might have been with that other group that i sometimes played with well then well at that point there was a this was a bigger thing yeah then we were, were no longer able to get a permit from the city to do an outreach in a certain park because right. they were afraid for the safety and they didn't want people going there yeah people live there that that we know that we're friends with right now in some of these areas yeah and so the, the message is this. It's very, very wrong to blame the Christians who are suffering the most for what's going on in the city which they live. Right. And so however well-meaning Dawson or these other people are, it's not, it's not right. It's not biblical. No. So I call it neurotheology because if you're going to blame the Christians— well, then besides that, America is very confusing. Yeah. Every, there's a lot of groups claiming to be Christian that are Marxists and socialists and uh, spiritual evolution, right. mystics, and they're not Christian at all. Yeah. It, 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 the, the title, it's easy to, to, to uh, call yourself a Christian when there's no consequences of that. And you and, can't define what a Christian is. Yep. But, and so... We need to get our theology right. We need to get the gospel right. We need to pray and bring things to God, not interact with the demons, and yeah. pray for the uh, cities and the, the leaders, whoever they be, and not dishonor God. I had a conclusion here that I think we should look at. Okay. These teachings in this article from 1998 not only dishonor God, a dishonor faithful Christians who have preached the gospel for the last 2,000 years. Yes. The Christian missionaries throughout history uh, preach the gospel, but are we going to say, well, they didn't know how to take dominion over spiritual forces? No, wow. that's not our role. And I said, may God help us honor him by acknowledging his sovereign control over his own creation the immutability of his purposes. God's eternal purposes, I wrote, are not tenuous, compromised, and about to be thwarted by man or devil. God will accomplish all of his purpose for his church, for Israel, and the human race. And these false teachings will not stop that. Okay, so we're here to preach the gospel. Yes. And many Christians have been deceived. There's a lot of false theology. There's a lot of suffering. But saying that God gave us the authority over the nations as Christians, and our role is to take that authority, not true. Yeah. It's, and it only dishonors the people who actually preach the true gospel, many of whom were martyred for doing so. Wow. And to finish. 
history is in God's hands, not ours. Ours is to believe his word, honor him with our dependent obedience. Yes. And that's the end of the article that we wrote in 1998. I haven't seen anything since then to make me think that was the wrong thing to write because history has demonstrated that when we get it wrong and we dishonor God, we just create confusion, we obscure the gospel, and people are harmed. I think one of the worst possible environments for Christian right now would be in Afghanistan. And if we apply this theology to them, should the Christians who are being martyred in Kabul right now, as we speak, be blamed for the condition of their country? That should be shot. I mean, I can't imagine a situation more horrific and we can't do that. And I even have to question if the people who are teaching this even believe that we've mentioned Ken Copeland many times and yet to you know to his credit he was helping people out of there which is good that's common grace um but we can't do that and then blame them for the situation that they're in well doing good it's good to do good and each person needs to take action as god enables there's such a thing as common grace but as demonstrated by D.R. McConnell in his book for 1988, when we say that Jesus lost his divinity, went as a common man into hell, fight with the devil, which E.W. Kenyon taught, that blasphemes God. Yes, it does. And, and so we can't agree with that. There's not enough good deeds in the whole world to make false theology true. Amen. That's a great quote. Somebody should so. make a meme of that. <laughs> but on the other hand, there is common grace, and we'll see this. I'm teaching through First Corinthians, and by God's grace, we're able to continue and to complete that. We'll see that there are questions that we can't answer. Yes. And there are things that we don't know, but we do know the gospel, and if we get that wrong, then we get everything wrong. And furthermore, one more thing. We don't believe that there's an eternal promise that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken because Jesus is at the right hand of God and he has promised this kingdom will ultimately be fulfilled, though through process stages, I believe. Well, if we don't have an unshakable kingdom, then all we have left is the one that's being shaken, which is the fallen world. Yes. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. 